Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. knows it's how you finish that matters. In fact, just finishing is good sometimes, isn't it? Who knows who was the first guy to the top of Mount Everest? What was his name? Hillary, good Kiwi. And uh, who knows who was the 500th person to climb Mount Everest? He's still, he's still pretty, or he or she is still pretty impressive, hey? Well, last week somebody won the Mullabar Triathlon. <laughs> but the very first 44-year-old pastor from Noosa to cross the line was yours truly. And uh, so I have created my own uh, podium at home for all of the pastors from Noosa who were 44 who finished first in their section. You know, there's two, peop- there's two types of people who, who finish the, the, the Mullulabar Triathlon. Uh, there's the place getters and then there's the finishers. And uh, I was one of those two, obviously. And, and uh, you can get a finisher's T-shirt, but you've got to pay for it. So you, you know, <laughs> which is, to me, I don't know what that's all about. But here's the thing, you know, I mean, usually I do this big, long, drawn-out message about the triathlon and um, how amazing I am and how amazing God is and... You know, you can imagine one of those, but we're not going to do that today because it wasn't that uh, it wasn't that great. Um, in fact, it was it was my grandest time ever um, in in expansive in, in expansive thinking. But here's the thing: there were some um, few thousand volunteers at the trial. There was about five thousand people who did it, but there was about two thousand volunteers who prepared the track, who prepared the road, and they set up bollards and there were people encouraging. And and here's the thing. It didn't matter how well that road was prepared. It didn't matter how how clear it was. It didn't matter how smooth it was. The, that my training had more impact on how I did in the try than the preparation of the road that went before me. I think sometimes in life we get caught spending too much time trying to anticipate and prepare the road before us than we do preparing ourselves for any road that we come across. Because who knows, sometimes you know, the, road, uh, the road that you come across is, uh, is not one that, that was on the GPS. I don't know about you, when you follow GPS, I, I think it was a lot better when we just had maps because you figured it out and you sort of knew the general direction. Now with GPS, you just turn left or turn right and all of a sudden you find yourself in the absolute middle of nowhere because it's a shortcut. It's the shortest kilometre route, but uh, uh, you know, it takes you over Kosciuszko to get to, um, from, from Canberra to the snow. Psalm 127 verse 1 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labour in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. I want to be part of a great church. I want to be part of the, of, of, you know, the, of the, the body of Christ that's in a great season. 
And there's many books out there on strategy and church growth and how to do these things. But here's the thing, unless the Lord builds the house, they build it in in vain. Strategy alone never built an enduring house. We need strategy. But strategy is not enough. Strategy alone never built an enduring church. And laws alone have never kept a nation safe from itself. We can have the greatest laws, but you know, you know, that that keep people out and protect us and put people in prison, all those sorts of things. But but the laws are vulnerable to the to the character of those who are making the laws. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. I want to unpack that a little bit today, but but let me just start with this. We are in, we are participants, we are characters in the greatest story ever told the greatest story that started with a creator and he created a garden and it ends with a city and there, you know there's a garden at the beginning and a city at the end there's a king on the throne there's an enemy and there's battles all through and there's victories and there's a, there's different people groups there's god's people and then there's the, the there's the battles that they go against there's an amazing thing but here's the thing for you and i we are in an episode We're in an episode of the greatest story ever told. We're in a moment of the greatest story ever told. We're some 6,000 years into that story now. Yet we're only, you know, we're only here for, for, for a moment, for an episode, for a, for a season within that story. And this is the battle that we all face. We're all part of a great story, but it's very difficult to get the context of the greater story as you're living your story, because you don't have the, you don't have the, the Google image of, of time like God does. We don't get to step outside of time and look at the whole story. You know, he, he's, you know, Jesus is, he's the God who was, who is, and who is to come. He's got the great story before him and he sees it all out flying. But for us, we only see what's in front of us. I think sometimes because we have uh, less clarity than we would like of the greatest story that God, that, God's, that God reminds us that we're in, we get caught up uh, in our own story instead. God has invited you into his story. But sometimes when we get, we get a lack of clarity or we get blinded by his, the greatest story, we get caught up in our own story and we forget that we are the supporting actors in his story. The leading actor in the story is the king of all kings. And we are the supporting actors. And we can get caught living our story, but when God's asking and reminding us this morning that there is a greater story, in fact, it's the greatest story ever told. And you're in it. You're a player in the story. I want to encourage you this morning that we need a vitality bigger than our own story. If your vitality, if your energy, if your hope, if your stability comes from within your own story, then it's, a, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a struggle because it's going to ebb and flow based on your position, based on your wealth, based on your relationships, based on your health. All of these things, if they are where your vitality comes from, you are at their mercy. So here's my goal. My goal is to search for a new spiritual vitality in the church, in the people of God. Not strategic vitality. I've found the 10 steps to freedom. 
but a relational vitality. A vitality that we have because we're in relationship with the King of all kings. A relationship, we are, we're in an eternal relationship with the Lord of all lords. Otherwise, we get caught in this, this, that, that, that warning scripture that says they had a form of godliness, but they had no power. You see, if we live in strategy, it appears like we are godly. Yet God wants us to walk in relationship, which is where his authority, his power, and his substance lives. So here's, here's the way I do it. I want to challenge and inspire those around me to live bigger in their faith to be bolder in their presence and to be loyal in their hearts. I believe there's a, there's a, there's a great challenge that, that before us as the people of God to be bigger in our faith. Like Josh said this morning, the other Josh, talked about, talked about praying. You can tell he's a school teacher, can't he? he was telling, did you feel like he was telling you like you're, you're at school? You need to be there because you know, things are happening where they're there and that's where God's going to do some business. So there's no real choice. You better all be there. I loved it. He wants us to be bigger in our faith. Because faith is the activator of the vitality of heaven. He wants us to be bolder in our presence. He doesn't want us to be bolder in our, in our understanding. He wants us to be bolder in our presence. He doesn't ask you to know everything before you front up. He says, front up in my name and you will, and you will gain understanding because my spirit will give you the words and will lead you into truth. He wants us to be bigger in our faith. He wants us to be bolder in our presence and he wants us to be loyal in our hearts. These things of this world are going to want to draw you. People are going to want to draw you into their space, into their strategy, into their plan, into their hope. And the Lord this morning, I believe, is challenging you to be loyal in your hearts to him alone. Loyalty to him will keep you sustained and it will have a vitality greater than the season, the moment and the episode that you're living in. Who knows, when you're watching a, a, a TV series and every episode, there's a story, but then there's a greater story. There's Will Ross end up with Rachel. You know what I mean? At the end of it, you know, 10 seasons later, they finally get together. You know. But then every story, every episode, there's a story within the story. And we all have a story within the story, but we need to be loyal in our hearts to the greater story. And to the, to the lead role in the great story. And the lead role came and laid his life down for you so that you could have eternal life with the great God of the universe. So for us to have a, a bigger faith, a bolder presence and a loyal heart requires a strength and a security that is beyond this world. We don't have the luxury of finding our strength and security in this world. And these aren't cheaply or easily obtained. They require us to take steps of faith, to be bold in our, in our presence, and to be loyal when our loyalties come into question. We need to be guided by the light of God's word. We need to be led by his Holy Spirit, and we need to be accountable to the community of believers. So here's my question for you today. What is the source of your vitality? Now, I'd love to stand before you and say mine is 100% eternal, but uh, just 
need to confess to you this morning that my vitality tends to ebb and flow. Sometimes it's, it's, um, I have a vitality from earth, you know, when my team is winning. You know, I, ha- I, I had a vitality in the first quarter of the football last night and then by the third quarter my vitality had evaporated. Yes, thank you. Did someone eject that voice from the, uh, from the building? And Christian as well, might as well get rid of him as well. You see, I'm trying to find peace and prosperity for my family. Trying to, trying to, 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 to prepare a way for my family so that they can, they can be comfortable and they can, be, and they can uh, get, gain some understanding and some wisdom along the way. And then, and then I'm also, also trying to do uh, some things for God as well. Sometimes I feel like Matthew 6.33 should read in my Bible, seek third or fourth the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I think, I think we need to be honest with ourselves that uh, we love declaring that word, but the reality of it in our lives is not always the case. I've been trying to prepare the road before my family. But I believe God is asking me to prepare myself and my family in his way for whatever road presents itself to us. I'm constantly challenged by that, that, that old parenting saying, prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child. But here's the thing with vitality. I want to suggest to you there's no escape from living on earth and being part of the body of Christ and in his kingdom. So our vitality, you know, it's always, going to, it's always going to be ebbing and flowing. So we don't beat ourselves up for that, but we understand this, and we celebrate this, that our movements from God's way, the infinite, eternal, movements from God's way to our way, the finite life, his way is the infinite way, our way is the finite way, as in our way is coming to an end. And from our will to his will, these are the supreme forms of vitality. See, we get caught sometimes, you know, looking for vitality that's, that's going to run out. And it does run out. And, it, and you know, there's nothing wrong with, with feeling healthy and with feeling strong, with having money in the bank and with having good relationships. There's a vitality attached to those. But when we get a glimpse of the infinite, in the midst of the finite, that's when we get to truly experience the vitality of God. You know, I, I, I can't believe how many royal commissions we have in our nation. You know, our, our, um, our good tax dollars are paying for a lot of royal commissions. Do you know why? Because we need them. We need, we need to look into the character of our nation. Child protection and detention. We had a royal commission into insulation, into banking, into aged care, into institutions like churches for, for, for how they responded to, to sexual abuse of children. The list goes on. It's, it's, it's upsetting how much we need to look at the structure of our own nation, isn't it? Yet in the midst of this, you know, I meet with many people from many areas of society and in the midst 
of all of these challenges, in the midst of this lack of hope in the finite, in the decisions of, of, of the world, I've got this bizarre, unexplainable hope. Have you ever noticed that you sit down with someone who, who is an absolute advocate of the opposite of everything you advocate? My staff think that's every time they have a meeting with me. Yet in the midst of it, in the middle of those moments, in the middle of that situation or conversation or challenge that you have, you have an unexplainable hope in the future. I don't know why, but I believe we can turn this ship around. I don't know why, but I think there's hope for the church beyond, you know, you know I, I, I spent time with my, my um, Catholic friend, Father Jason from the Noosa Catholic Church after, after George Pell was sentenced and I said, my heart breaks. Not for the Catholic Church, for the church. We're all, we're all sons and daughters of God. Let's not, let's not draw lines in the sand. People who have called on the name of Jesus, people who have, who, who, you know, who have, who have repented, people who have, who, have, who have declared their faith in him, we are the children of God no matter, no matter what denominational line you sit in. We need to weep for our church. But we also need in the midst of our tears to have a hope that is birthed in the redemption of the cross. I have a hope I cannot explain. I'm always thinking we can turn the ship around. Why? Because my hope is secure in a foundation that was, was never built by man's hands. If mankind had anything to do with the foundation that your hope is built upon, you're at the mercy of mankind. The institutions of church... You know, this institution, this building, it, it wants to own us. It's never satisfied with our maintenance. No matter how much we love it, no matter how many times we vacuum it, no matter how many times we paint it, no matter how many times we, we, you know, we lubricate the air conditioner system, it constantly needs our attention. It wants to own us. We, I could spend 150% of my time on this building and I would do nothing for the kingdom of God. I need a foundation to put my hope in that was never built by man's hands. Because it's in that place that I know there's always an opportunity for redemption, for restoration, to rebuild, to restore. You know, I'm inspired by one of the great and tragic slices of history. Uh, That's the prophet Jeremiah. He had a rough life, the big fella, the prophet back in the day. If you've read the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations, you will, uh, you know, it's it's difficult, you know, it's difficult to go uh, to to find where this guy's vitality came from. Now, look, we do need to understand the road. We need to understand the times, like the sons of Issachar. Yet we must not let them. We must not let the road. We must not let the culture define us. We must be defined by a greater foundation, an eternal foundation. Now, Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet because his heart broke for the Israelites who refused to listen to God's word that he gave them. He challenged the king and the nation to repent before God. And how's this, church? Every word, every prophetic word that Jeremiah gave in his whole lifetime was rejected. 
every word was rejected by the by by the by God's people and the king. And instead, they listened to those who gave them good news, even though it turned out to be wrong. And even the crazy thing was, Jeremiah knew these false prophets were only saying what the people wanted to hear, and his mission was to turn around the nation of Judah to, 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 to repent before God and to get restored before God. And here's the other crazy thing. Jeremiah knew in advance that they would reject every word that he would give them. How's that for, for an encouragement for, for a prophet? The Lord says, I want you to give these words to the people, but they will reject you. Let's read that. Jeremiah seven twenty seven says this. You shall speak all these words to them, but they will not obey you. You shall also call to them, but they will not answer you. He knew the words would not be received, yet he also knew that God wanted him to bring them anyway. Why? Why? Remember we talked at the start about the great story? There's a greater story going on than the episode that we're in right now. We need to understand that, that God, you know, that, that there was a greater story going on in, in uh, Israel and Judah than, than, than uh, what Jeremiah was participating in right there. You know, as we read the book of Jeremiah, we, we get to see God speak and we get to hear or see mankind not listen. And then we get to take a look at ourselves. I don't know if you've read the book of Jeremiah. When I do that, I go, what have, what have I been listening to? What have I been listening to? Who have I been listening to? And who is the source of what I've anchored my life to? Have I created platforms out of my story or have I got my anchor in his great story? What's going on beyond my immediate? Because my immediate tends to demand my attention. It demands too much of my attention. And I know, I know deep down there's a greater story happening, yet I'm so enveloped by what's in front of me that I can miss the great story. And I can believe things that aren't of God that make me feel better about myself and dismiss the word of the Lord which is going to draw me into his great story and protect me from captivity. Jeremiah, he, there was no shortage of, of people against him, of the naysayers in 1121. People would say this to him. These are the words of some of the people. Do not prophesy in the name of the Lord, lest you die by our hand. At one point, they took Jeremiah and cast him into, into a cistern or a, you know, or, or a you know, a water container in the ground of that belonged to the king. There was no water in there, just mud. And he was, he was down there. He was stuck down in this place. So here's this prophet. Somehow, this prophet who was never listened to gets his own whole book in the Old Testament. In fact, he gets two. He gets, he gets Jeremiah. He also gets Lamentations. And the word on the street is that he also wrote Book of Kings. So what's the like about this guy? Where's the inspiration? Let me tell you, church, there is much vitality to draw from this life, from this great man. God's asked him to remain faithful in the midst of the knowledge of the rebellion of the people. 
So Jeremiah weeps for the people while he remains committed to God. The Bible says in the, in the, in the, in the Beatitudes, blessed, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Jeremiah wept for the people. You know, we see a glimpse of, this, of his vitality in the book of Lamentations. Lamentations is his lament. It's his groaning about, about the demise of, of Jerusalem, how this, this great and magnificent city of God's people went, became rubble and, became, and, you know, and was lost and the people were taken to, to, um, to Babylon. And it starts with this, verse 1, chapter 1. In fact, if you, if you have a look at it in the, in the Hebrew... Each chapter goes through the, the Hebrew alphabet and starts every, every verse starts with the next letter of the alphabet as he mourns and groans the demise of Jerusalem. It's a poetic lament. It starts with this, How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow is she who was great among the nations. The princess among the provinces has become a slave. And it goes on and on and on. It's very depressing. It's a great lament. If you, if you, if you, if you complain a lot, add some poetry to it at least. <laughs> and then in chapter 3, right in the middle, right in the middle of this, this lament, he just pops in these few verses that are just, just don't belong in that book. And he says this, he says this in verse 22 of chapter 3. He says, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, the soul who seeks him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So he's in the midst of this lament, but he's got this vitality. He knows that there's this demise, but he's got, he's got the word of the Lord. He's, he's hearing from God and he understands that in the midst of this story, of this season, of this decline of Jerusalem and God's people, that there is a greater story. And God is faithful in the greater story, so he's not distracted. He might present poetically his lament about the episode, but he also acknowledges in the middle of that episode the great story and the great faithful God who is bigger than one moment in history. Sometimes a moment in history lasts for a whole generation. In a tough story, in a tragic season, you know, Jeremiah knows in one of the toughest seasons of Israel, Jeremiah knows that God is faithful. And he declares, great is thy faithfulness. Even in the demise of his own city, he knows the thoughts that God has for his people. Because in the understanding of God, Jeremiah finds his vitality. Our verse for this year is, uphold me, Lord, ready, according to your word that I may live. Uphold me, Lord, according to my situation, that I may live. Doesn't quite cut it, does it? The Lord, here's the beauty of being upheld by the word of the Lord, is the word of the Lord is higher 
than the season or the episode that you're currently living in. And who knows, there's some dark seasons. That was a dark season for Israel, and we're all walking through them. Some of you are in the opposite season. You're in a season of vitality because of your relationships and your wealth and your, and your health and your position and your influence. We can gain a great vitality and a great confidence you know, out of, out of the things that are within our capacity. But even that, we are vulnerable in that space. Great is your faithfulness. Here's the battle for us in this independent, my personal Jesus world that we live in. When we read verses like Jeremiah 29, 11, we personalize them. We don't realize that when God is speaking, he's speaking to, he's speaking to uh, a people. He's speaking to, to a, a, whole, a whole nation that is not even one generation, but it's the ongoing. And he says, For I know the words, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. And I've hung on to that verse personally. When I was young, it was presented to me. And I, you know, I thought, man, I thank, I thank the Lord that he's got thoughts of a future and a hope for me personally. And I'm sure he does. But this verse is speaking to a greater story, speaking to something bigger than my personal story. These words are, they're, they're, they're a letter that Jeremiah sent from his own captivity or from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who they were away in captivity. He sent it to, the, to those who are caught in Babylon, right? The, the, the Israelites are caught in Babylon. So Jeremiah the prophet sends them a letter and says, don't worry, says, the Lord says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. They are for a future and a hope. Jeremiah said, great is your faithfulness. Not because he had a future but because he knew that God had a plan for his people's future. Sometimes God's called you into a hard story. Sometimes he's called you to stand secure in the midst of a hard season. And sometimes you're not going to see the victory in the season. Sometimes the victory is going to come later. Jeremiah 29 verse 10, it says this, For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place, back to Jerusalem. 4 verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me, and, you will, and when you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. God caused them to be carried away captive. He allowed it to happen for those 70 years. Why? Because there's a greater story. You know, in God's law, he said you need to rest the land every seven years. And they didn't rest the land for so long that he needed to rest the land of, of God's people for 70 years. So he had to take the people out of it because they disrespected his way. You see, there's a great story. And it's bigger than a life of an individual. Your moment, your episode is part of the greater story ever told, but it's a link in a chain. You see, when Jeremiah wrote that letter from Jerusalem to, the, to those in captivity, 
Here's the thing. He said, he talked about, God talked about liberating them, but the reality was those people who read it, they were going to die in captivity. It wasn't till the next generation or the one after who were going to, to actually get out of that and go back to Jerusalem. What's God asking to, us to do in this episode that he's called us to live in? We're in this great story, but we're a link in a chain and God's called us to remain faithful to that link because when Jeremiah was faithful to that link in the chain, when he was faithful to delivering those words, we've got to appreciate those words for a, for a couple of thousand years. Sometimes your vitality may mean weeping for the state of God's people. May mean walking in a great move of God's spirit. May mean many different things. We don't know we don't always know what the God of the universe is doing through us, but we do know that he's called us to be faithful in it. He when, when we weep for our people, when we weep for our nation, Let's do it with vitality. Let's do it out of, not out of fear. Let's not weep for our nation out of fear for our children who are going to grow up with laws that are outside of our faith. Let's weep for a nation that doesn't know God. There's a greater story here than, than a story written by fear and compassion. There's an eternal story that's driven by relationship and God wants us to be anchored to it. He wants us to put our episode in the context of the greatest story ever told. And it's a great story. And I know it's going to have a great ending because it's written by the author and the finisher of our faith. In 1963, JFK was on his way to give a speech in Dallas when he was assassinated. Yet his words, the words of that speech, we still have. That speech was never delivered. Yet we have those words. And the close of this speech, it's a great speech if you get the chance to read it, but the close of that speech, it says this. We in this country, in this generation, are by destiny rather than choice, the watchmen on the walls of world freedom. We ask, therefore, that we may be worthy of our power and our responsibility, that we may exercise our strength with wisdom and restraint, that we may achieve in our time and for all time the ancient vision of peace on earth and goodwill towards men. That must always be our goal and the righteousness of our cause must always underlie our strength. For as was written long ago, Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman worketh in vain. What an amazing ending to a speech that never got presented. You know, in the season of Jeremiah, no one listened to the words God gave him to say. Yet those words and his story and the epic failure of God's people of that generation have now been read millions and millions of times and have challenged the hearts of people, have challenged us to get out of our own episode and get into the greater story. 
to stop looking at how, how we can survive our journey but, and, and how God's people can glorify his name in all that they do. It's time we stop and listen to the truth of God in the midst of all of the other talk. There's a lot of talk going on these days, isn't there? They say that the Christian church listens to more messages now than at any time in history. Not just a few more, ten times more than they ever listened to in history. Is the character and the moral integrity of the church any better than it was a hundred years ago now that we have a greater voice and a broader, a broader influence? Somewhere in the midst of all of the talk of humanity, we need to get into a relationship with the King of all kings. Somewhere in the midst of standing for our personal freedom, we need to get on our knees and worship the living God. We need to get some context that our episode is one episode within the greatest story ever told. Like JFK said, we are by God's hand. We didn't choose this moment. God positioned us in this moment. And we are the carriers of his hope for this generation. Why doesn't the band jump up? So I challenge you, no matter what the season, no matter what episode you find yourself in, no matter what, how big you think your story is, is for yourself and for those around you, surrender your episode. Surrender your story to the greater story. Find your vitality in the great faithfulness of God and the knowledge that the greatest story ever told will attend, will, it will end according to the author and the finisher of our faith. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Don't worry if it's not all laughs and luxury, church. Sometimes you need to weep. Romans says weep with those who weep. Celebrate with those who celebrate. Sometimes you're in a season of celebration. Sometimes you're in a season of luxury. Sometimes you're in a season of weeping. But God is calling you to be bigger in your faith, to be bolder in your presence, and to be loyal in your hearts. Sometimes being bigger in your faith means having a vitality as you weep with your neighbor. Sometimes being bolder in your presence means presenting yourself to somebody or to to a group without the equipment to solve what needs to be solved. Sometimes Sometimes being loyal in your hearts means staying true to what God has said, no matter the naysayers, no matter who says, do not declare the word of the Lord or you may die at our hands. We need to have a loyalty that is greater than the words and the threats of those around us. Because we know this church, that at the end of the great story, he's turned our mourning into dancing. Let's pray. Father, we surrender to you this day. We surrender you. This increment of history. This moment, Father, we surrender you to you this episode of our lives. We surrender it to the great story. The story of the living God. 
Lord, we repent before you now for our selfishness. We repent for making your word about our luxury and about our health and about our healing. We repent for making you here for us, Father, and we just turn the ship around right now and we surrender our lives to you. Lord, we give you all of our worship. We give you all of our praise. Lord, we thank you for the tools that you've given us, Lord. But we, we, we take these tools, Lord, and we surrender them to you. We put our trust in you and we put our hope in the foundation, in the cornerstone of Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.